Hello, I am Donna Freeman, the founder of Yoga in My School, and this is the Yoga in My School podcast. I appreciate you coming and having a listen. Thank you for your likes, your shares, your comments, and your ratings. It truly is a blessing as it helps others to find us. The purpose of the Yoga in My School podcast is to empower you to share yoga and mindfulness with youth. Through the archives and this episode in particular, I know that you will receive inspiration, knowledge, and tools to help you do so. We also are big fans of building community, and we love finding people who are doing amazing things in the kids' yoga community worldwide. So if you know of someone, or maybe you are someone, who are doing something incredible and you'd like to share it, feel free to reach out. You can email me, Donna, at yoganmyschool.com with ideas for upcoming episodes. Appreciate you listening. Have a wonderful day, and enjoy this episode. Hello, everyone. I am Donna Freeman, and this is the Yoga in My School podcast. Thank you for tuning in today. We've got a great episode coming your way on a topic that is near and dear to my heart. Um, And I want to just take a moment before we dive into all of that to thank you for listening. And this, um, this episode in particular, but all of our episodes are packed with tips and tools that you can use to reach and touch the lives of youth. And today we're going to be talking about teen mental health. Um, This has been a topic that has been, you know, at the forefront of my consciousness for a while, especially as we have gone through uh, the pandemic and I work with teens on a daily basis and just seeing how they have navigated um, some of the challenges of the past year has been really inspiring but um, we're going to get into all that goodness of how we can help support teens, um, talking about mental health, um, the ways to do it well, some of the topics you might want to bring up and all that wonderfulness. Um, today joining me is Andrew Baxter and Andrew Baxter is with um, teenmentalhealth.org and uh, he is a big proponent of mental health literacy and we're going to be getting into that exactly what that is and how you can um, be engaged with mental health literacy but let's dive into who is Andrew Baxter. Andrew welcome to the show. So it's great to be here. Thanks for having me, Donna. Can you tell our listeners a little bit about who you are and how you came to be working with teen mental health? Sure. Um, I am a social worker by training uh, with a bit of background in psychology as well. I have uh, been a school-based mental health therapist, so I would provide treatment to youth in schools along with their uh, family and, and act as an advisor to teachers through Alberta Health Services. Um, I did that for quite a few years, and uh, after a while, I, I became connected with a group uh, led by Dr. Stan Kucher, who's a, now a senator, uh, who started up an approach with uh, mental health literacy out of uh, Dalhousie University, and we started to implement that here in Alberta, and um, uh, lucky for me, uh, we were pretty successful in, in doing that in different parts of Western Canada, and Dr. Kucher had been working across the country and internationally as well. And eventually the uh, resources migrated over to us. And as he's moved to the Senate, I have taken over the resources. So here I am uh, with uh, uh, the what's going to become uh, mentalhealthliteracy.org is now teenmentalhealth.org, uh, but we'll, we're changing our name soon. So uh, we'll leave a trail of breadcrumbs to find the right website. 
Fantastic. That's wonderful. I know over the years, um, it's been interesting to see how websites and organizations take, you know, what they begin with, and then it just kind of gets tweaked as people find, um, you know, maybe it's a broader or maybe it's a niche. They, they adjust with their offerings to 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 different areas and I, I love you know we had talked earlier and I you had mentioned that you're you're switching from just the focus on teens so can you tell us a little bit about where you know I know this is probably better at the end of but it it, it feels appropriate right now but can you tell us a little bit about this switch that you're making to the teen or, or to the mental health literacy um and focusing on that yeah I think we had to acknowledge along the way that we've we've become um appealing to more and more of a broader audience. Um, and we do have a lot of resources for uh, mental health uh, care providers. Um, we have resources for parents. We have resources for siblings and for youth, of course, uh, and along with educators. And so in that broad scope, teen didn't quite capture it. So we, we're moving to that mentalhealthliteracy.org. So that's hopefully gonna be a little bit more of an inclusive title uh, for folks. We provide um, information uh, that can be delivered in classrooms, much like you, you know, as in yoga in schools, we are mental health in schools. Uh, we try and embed that right in with other classes uh, because we know that that's got a really impactful approach with both students and teachers. Um, and so we provide training and resources and things across Alberta that are free of charge uh, to get people uh, to improve their mental health literacy. Fantastic. All right. So now we've been tossing around this term mental health literacy, and maybe some of our listeners are going, uh, do they think I know what that is? Like, so what generally, what is mental health literacy and, and yeah. how might it be like, that's not a term that I grew up with, for sure. Um, and I think it's a fairly new term. So kind of unpack that for us, if you would. Yeah, sure. Um, well, you know, I think, first of all, there's a lot of confusion around what mental health is. Um, and really, if you think about literacy in the traditional sense of, you know, learning the language or learning physical literacy or math literacy, you know, or numeracy as we call it, right? Uh, we're building up our skills to understand the basic building blocks. Um, we wanna know how the letters go together to make a word. Uh, and then we wanna know how the words go together to make a sentence and those come together to make ideas. And eventually we're writing a story. So it's the same thing. We wanna make sure that uh, youth understand uh, what mental health is, uh, how to obtain it, uh, how to maintain it, how to understand disorders and their treatments if, if those are required. We wanna decrease the stigma around uh, mental illness. And then we wanna really improve that youth's ability to know where to go to get help and what to do when they get there. So by doing those things, we're elevating somebody's literacy. And we know that by providing that kind of knowledge, youth can take better care of their own mental health and those around them. So this is a, a skill that we wanna develop over time and youth are in schools and that's a great place to do it. Um, it's, it's a universal, I always joke that it's uh, relevant to, to anybody who has a brain. Uh, so, uh, you know, if, if you qualify there, you're in and, and it's really important to know um, and, and helpful across the lifespan, so. Fantastic. And that kind of brings up the, um, the concept or that, you know, that a lot of emotional disorders, mental health issues kind of emerge during the teen years. This is where, you know, you see this uh, awareness, just everything, like there's lots more diagnoses, there's lots of undiagnosed individuals out there. Um, but the teen years tend to be this time of 
of lots of mental activity. And some of that will go into, um, you know, disorders and mental health issues and that type of thing. Why, why is that? Why are our teens so susceptible? Sure. So we have to, we have to do some more unpacking there. So one of the things that we're really big on is part of mental health literacy is knowing what a disorder is, but also knowing what it is not just as importantly, equally as important. Uh, and we want to make sure that youth can distinguish between uh, what we would call a mental health problem, which is significant and can cause a lot of distress in life and what we would call a mental disorder, right? So those two things we need to make sure that we clarify. So disorders, when there's something different going on in that youth's brain, uh, that would set it apart. And there's a series of diagnostic criteria that we've, you know, that are outlined in the DSM. That's the Diagnostic Statistical Manual, right? So there's a set of criteria and impairments that happen. And that's when we can say, okay, this person, you know, we, we need a, a clinician to say this, that this person is suffering from an, a, a disorder and illness. Then there's this big category about a, a mental health problem, right? Because everybody has mental health. Uh, even people that have a disorder have mental, uh, uh, mental health. Everybody has mental health. Uh, and some people with disorders have better mental health than somebody without one, right? That's critical to, to keep in mind. So when, we, when we're able to differentiate that, then we can make better decisions about what we need to do. So um, right now, you know, uh, mental health is, of course, very topical because we're very concerned about COVID. But we have to see that as, as predominantly for the vast majority of youth, what it is, which is a mental health problem, not a disorder, right? We don't want to pathologize. We've, we've got... Uh, uh, a lot of pathology that sleep, uh, seeped into our language. And so sometimes when we mean worry, people say anxiety and that gets confused with anxiety disorder and that's a big problem. So we wanna teach people to make sure that they're using the right terms. So even issue kind of makes it, it's hard to know what we're talking about. So we wanna say a mental health problem or a mental illness or disorder. And a lot of the times when we say mental health, even in healthcare, we actually mean mental illness. So it gets really confusing. So we have to make sure we're keeping that on track. All right. And so wh whether it be, you know, uh, a problem, a concern, uh, a disorder, an illness, like there's lots of levels there. But why, what is it with the teen years and the teen sure. brain that sure. that is really pivotal? Yeah. So we know that about 70% of most of the disorders happen between ages 12 and 25. And um, the, the earlier we get on that, and, and providing treatment for those disorders, the, the better the outcome. And the reason that why that happens is that that's a period of rapid brain growth and development for, for youth and adolescents. Uh, so when we're seeing things change so rapidly in the brain, that's sometimes when problems that if they were gonna be there, they start to emerge. It's also, you know, that there's a lot that's going on environmentally in those periods of time. And, but it's really that adolescent uh, period. Now we see some disorders that happen earlier on, uh, like, uh, say uh, ADHD, we know that happens much earlier and we can identify it earlier and hopefully we treat it early on. Uh, and some that happen later on, like something like schizophrenia or uh, some forms of psychosis that occur later on in that developmental pattern. So the disorders happen at different times, depending on which one we're talking about. Um, but when we look at that whole window, we need to be really aware of disorders in youth because that is when 70% have their onset or their start. Fantastic. Thank you. Um, so like, let's dive into this whole COVID thing, right? So um, for many people, COVID has been a challenge because of the unpredictable nature of it. And um, 
you know, forced isolation, um, these, these type of things Like we're all working a little bit differently um, than we were previously. And so how, what have you seen amongst teens as they have dealt with the pandemic? Yeah, that's, that's a big question to unpack too. I think I've seen two things. I've seen how we've reported on the pandemic. And then I've seen how youth have actually felt about the pandemic and have had the opportunity to, to speak some, to some youth about this. Um, and I think we have to kind of be really careful about how we look at this. Um, my favorite quote around the pandemic, which, and I wish I could take credit for it, I, I just can't, is that uh, we may all be in the same storm, but we are not in the same boat. I don't even know who to credit it to. Uh, but um, I think that really says a lot because, um, you know, just like different environmental impacts impact us all differently because we're different people. This has been uh, not unusual in that way where youth that were struggling or vulnerable pre-existing to this, it may have had a very negative impact. Um, for most youth, many youth, um, they've been adaptive and, and resilient. And this has been a difficult stressor, but it's within the tolerable to okay range. You know, they're, they're getting through, uh, they're drawing on supports, they're leaning on family and friends, and they're learning how to use Zoom really quickly. And, and, and we're moving forward with that. Um, the groups that I'm really concerned about are groups that had uh, issues with access to care, uh, that may have had a pre-existing uh, mental illness, um, that may be, um, you know, having some sort of barrier beforehand. That's, that's who I'm most concerned about. Um, but I don't think we're seeing uh, a huge um, uptick in mental illness. We're seeing a big uptick in stressor. And this fits right in that mental problem category, very soundly. Um, and, and it's been difficult for all of us. And I think that the, the data that I've seen uh, has shown that it's, it's a stressor. It's growing over time because the longer it goes on, the, the more we feel sort of isolated and alienated from each other. I'd be really uh, interested to see the more recent data as we now have vaccines on the horizon and people are starting to feel like, okay, this may have an end to it. So I think it's shifting sands. I don't think we know the full impacts yet. I don't think we'll know them for a while. Um, I'm, there is a group of individuals that I'm very concerned about, but the vast majority of Canadian kids, I think are doing okay. It feels weird. It's stopped some really good hockey players. It's, it's interfered in, in extracurricular activities and it's damaged some, some prospects academically. And I think most of all the youth that tell me, you know, when I talk to them, it just feels different in, in the middle schools or the, the elementaries that they can't interact with their friends as much as they want. Um, and uh, there's some data coming out of a study at the University of Calgary that, that reports that they're actually, youth are more concerned about the isolation periods from their friends than they are about the impacts of the illness. And, and that's quite telling, that's exactly where their brain should be. They're, they're very concerned about that social connection. They're learning who they are, they're learning how to be with others. And so that's one of the big concerns for them, I think is the social aspects. Um, we're also worried about youth that are in bad environmental situations where if they're forced to isolate like in domestic violence situations or things like that, those are youth we need to keep our eye out for um, and really help get, um, there's just not as many eyes on them right now in, in those periods. Fantastic. Thank you so much. Like, that's really great insight to see, you know, and I love the fact that you say, you know, uh, that these teens, these youth are really showing their, their adaptability and what a beautiful skill that is. And they're like, you know, they're like, okay, let's just roll with this. Like, that's one of the things that I like so much about when working with teens is that they are highly adaptable 
really creative and as you said like their brains are malleable and so they're like oh like let's let's think of a new way of doing this and let's let's you know whereas some of us older folks are a little bit more set in our ways <laughs> yeah they're pretty malleable they they can ad adapt to, to those changing scenarios pretty quickly so yeah it's it's neat to see and, and yeah, some of the creativity really... that's come out of it has been amazing yeah, yeah, there's there are there are definitely some positives and some things that uh, I hope that even as we, as you say, there is light at the end of the tunnel as we kind of maybe return to some of the things that we did before um, that we keep that we have learned from this COVID yeah. experience that have yeah, been some yeah. positives. I think there's some nuggets out there for sure that we can take back. Fantastic. Um, I want to talk to you a little bit about um, any trends that you're seeing, um, you know, in the last couple of years uh, with um, with the youth that you're working with. It's like we're moving, you know, like I said, when I was young, this was not a topic of conversation at all. And now it seems to be much more readily um spoken of and as you say we're 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 working at destigmatizing mental health and giving people the languaging those type of things but have you seen any kind of trends that that it's just it's like you're seeing more of something amongst our youth yeah so you know there's another good question because i think you're right we're we're certainly uh, more willing, more able, and there's more places and venues to talk about it. Um, and that's been a big change. And I think that's a good change. We always want to stress that we take it that next step beyond awareness and just talking about it, but making sure that we're talking about it with the right information. And that's where that literacy piece comes in again. We, we want to make sure we're providing the youth and they're having those intelligent, clear conversations about what we're, what we actually mean when we say a depression, right? Um, so really important. Um, when my understanding of, of the literature is that it's shown that relatively the, the disorders have maintained a, a pretty stable level. Now there's two different things. There's one is that what people report feeling and that's shown a big increase in, in concerns. But then when we actually look at epidemiological data, the, the rates have remained relatively the same. And this makes a lot of sense to me because if you think about has the human brain changed over that time? No, it gets sick at the rate it gets sick at. But perhaps the way our perce we perceive that those feelings has changed over the time. And so I think this may be um, partly a, a cultural response that we're seeing an increase in discussion about this. And that's, I'm not saying it's a bad thing. I'm just saying that it may have, uh, we may have people um, being concerned about something that may be very uh, normally occurring in their brain. So, you know, for example, how we interpret stress. <laughs> and I, I think we're, we're having to re-language uh, that conversation because if you en encounter something that you're in, in, encounter, sorry, if you're uh, discussing something that you're uh, encountering on a daily basis, um, that, and you're viewing that very negatively, uh, imagine what that sounds like. That's that's not a good way to view stress because then it becomes overwhelming. So I think those conversations are ones that are unfolding right now. And we're kind of steering the ship back onto course. Uh, but yeah, there's been a real renaissance in awareness and discussion about these topics that wasn't there before. And that's important. Fantastic. Um, yeah, so just kind of uh, tapping into, so you're providing resources and, and this literacy and that type of stuff. Um, and like, what, what are some of the main things, the main tools that you 
encourage people to use. And you and I have talked about, you know, the buffet table of tools and that type of thing. But can you kind of explain that to people? And it's like, okay, great. Now we've, we're understanding it. We're getting the words now that that's wonderful. So what? So what? Yeah. That's a, yeah <laughs> so what? No. So what? Um, I still feel horrible. So, so what now? Yeah. And, and I think, I think with the understanding, you know, I think tools are great. Uh, tools are great, but that understanding that goes behind when to apply the tool or which tools work for you is, is even more important. Um, and this ties into our conversation about reframing stress. So um, the tools that we recommend, I think are, are very similar to the ones that are out there that everybody's aware of, including, you know, uh, uh, physical exercise, yoga, mindfulness, uh, breath activity, uh, all of those are really good at reducing a person's stress. And, and sometimes so is watching Netflix or hanging out with friends or, you know, coloring a mandala. There's many choices to be made about what we pick that we help stress, but that's only part of the conversation. Um, those tools that we can recommend and that they're great, they all work and, and we can practice them uh, and get better at them and, and they can um, have even more impacts, positive impacts on us. But there's two other parts of the conversation that we sometimes miss by just focusing on the tool. And the first one is, why do I need the tool in the first place? What am I stressed about? What is eliciting this response? And what is it trying to tell me? So rather than thinking, oh, I'm so stressed, here it goes again, I better go and deep breathe. Um, we need to stop and pause and say, okay, well, why? <laughs> What's going on for me? What kind of thoughts am I having that are surrounding this um, that are causing me to Maybe you feel like I'm going to hyperventilate. Um, you know, is it that I'm worried about uh, becoming ill from COVID? Is it a, that I'm uh, worried about my performance, uh, you know, in grade seven? Am I worried about uh, an interaction that I'm having with a friend? Or am I concerned about an argument I've had with a parent? What, what is causing that stress? Um, and then we need to kind of do a, a little thought check or, or what are we having balanced thinking around that thought? Or am I being fair to myself? Would others people see it the same way? And if we can answer that question, we can move to the next step. Still not the deep breathing, still not the tool, but we want to move to problem solving. What can I actually do <laughs> about the way I feel with that friend? You know, would it help to talk to them or would it take some, taking some time be helpful? What kind of tools and problem solving can I apply uh, to answer that concern? So that's step two. And then if you've gone through step one and step two, and you arrive at three and you still need to deep breathe or, or do your relaxation activity, whatever that may be, great, right? That's really good at tempering the top of that stress response. Um, but sometimes if you go through one and two effectively, you, you may not need the tool. Um, if I'm worried about, you know, if, if I'm pretend long ago, if I'm a youth and uh, worried about taking an, an exam or something um, and I, I, I just feel nauseous each time I go into write and, and I, I can't, my hands are shaking and I can't hold my pencil. Um, and I don't ask myself why. I can learn a breath strategy to help me focus, but it's gonna happen the next time and the next time and the next time. And I'll have to deep, deep breathe. More important to have a more sustainable approach and say, why is this occurring? And can I identify what it is? And do I have any strategies? It doesn't matter how deep you breathe, you're not gonna, it's not gonna help you your performance on the test, right? So what can I do beforehand? And, and really being proactive in that approach, I think is important. So those are one of the, and we actually educate youth on step-by-step step on how to, how to do that in the materials and resources, but really how to perceive that stress, first of all, that's a normal response of the body. 
alerting you to an opportunity in the environment, right? Um, and it's actually helping your brain get ready to perform rather than as a negative. Then why am I feeling that? What's it alerting me to? And then what kind of strategies do I have and who can I ask for help from, you know, uh, to, to help me problem solve through this. And then finally, what kind of stress uh, response um, activity do I have that I can employ right now to help modify that stressor or modify that uh, stress response. Yeah. So what I'm hearing is that a, uh, you're kind of describing a, a very much a top down It's like, let's ask the questions, let's do the mental work, let's um, inquire, um, think about other options, that type of thing, and then uh, use the tool. And um, I, I often find, though, that sometimes going bottom up, like, is equal. Oh then, yeah, that works too. Right? <laughs> it works too, especially if you're in a, in a situation that you're stressed, you're recognizing you're stressed, you know you have a tool that works for you, you employ the tool and then you start to lower the reactivity so that then you are able to ask the questions. What happened? Why did, why was, right? Um, yeah. And you know, you know that, that simultaneous nature of it, um, that we're not just going straight you know, some, for some people asking the questions right off works and for others is like, okay, we just need to interrupt <laughs> this cycle that you're in. Um, There's, it's really ha hard to have that higher cognition if you're so tense. <laughs> and so, so I think to your point, which is an excellent one, sometimes we need to come through the body first. How am I feeling right now? And let's just concentrate on that and change. Um, because you're not going to have a lot of those uh, cognitive attribution conversations or problem solving techniques applied if you are too uh, distressed to do it, right? You have to regulate first and then think it through. So your, your point is very apt. Um, we, we certainly need to start with maybe we can slow this down first to even get to step one and two. Yeah, very true. Yeah. But like you say, that step one and two, like that's that's the key to, um, you know, that um, that cognitive retraining and looking at options and, you know, the, the problem solving. It's like, this, yeah. you know, and, and sometimes it's not a problem. Sometimes it's just reframing it. It's like, oh, I'm actually excited. Like, oh, isn't yeah. that interesting? Like excitement and fear feel very similar in my body. Yeah, it's all just arousal, <laughs> psychological arousal. Absolutely. And I've certainly worked with youth in my clinical practice that have been so dysregulated that they can't stop long enough to do that. So that's part of the, the, the process. And that is uh, gearing them down and then coming back at it with, with some, um, uh, some, some level of perspective. <laughs> Yeah. Fantastic. So let's say we're just going to talk about some of the, the key people who are in um, Muse's lives who may be listening to our conversation here. So maybe teachers, counselors, uh, coaches, um, you know, there's all, educators, there's all these people, parents who are who work with and have youth in their lives. What would be some advice for we lay people who don't have a social work background and and want to help and are aware that maybe we we know some some youth who are struggling yeah um i i think remember to express to that youth how uh you value them and how uh their uh, well-being is really important to you and leave opportunity and i think uh one of the things that uh, i often 
uh, train uh, educators to do is just be quiet for a bit and, and just listen, employ that uh, empathetic listening. And, um, you know, we, we always want to rush in and, and solve a problem, but I think sometimes just being that sounding board for youth is so important. And, uh, you know, in my clinical work, uh, the one goal I always had is just never to close a door on a youth that uh, would not feel comfortable in coming back to talking again, right? You always just want to make sure that they felt heard and listened to. And I think taking that time, which we always feel we want to jump in and solve it, uh, taking that time is so important just to hear it. So that would be the one thing. Uh, always be respectfully curious, um, you know, and and um, listen for those concerns. Uh, have an open mind, not so open that your brains fall out of your head because safety becomes an issue. Uh, but uh, be open-minded and and uh, and listen. Um, by elevating uh, an, an individuals, and that doesn't matter who, we often open our sessions to police, psychologists, speech language pathologists, occupational therapists, anybody who wants to come, anybody who works uh, with youth can benefit from improved mental health literacy to know what are the warning signs here of, of disorders or what's distress or what's a mental health problem. And, and just to be able to hear those kind of things, that, that kind of background really helps. So by elevating literacy, you have a better idea of where do we go with this? Um, but I think listening is probably the great place to start. Uh, and then uh, offers of support. Like I'd really like to get to get you to somebody that can help you with this. Uh, primary care is a great place to start. Um, you know, we have, we're lucky to have uh, access to mental health and, and uh, the Calgary Health Region, there's other uh, avenues into health services or, um, you know, psychologists or wh social workers, whoever they may be, are good places to, to access that care. Fantastic. Thank you. I know that that is always, you know, like you do the best you can, but then you just don't know, right? It's like, yeah. okay, I'm, I'm trying the best I can, but I, you know, I, I, as a, as a parent myself, sometimes you're just like, Okay, now what's the next step? How do I how do I help my child? How can I empower them to meet the challenges which are unique to their time as a teenager, um, which I didn't face um, in social media alone. <laughs> it's 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 a different world out there, and and I think the other thing that can be said is. Uh, don't understand too quickly. If you say, I know exactly what you're going through, you've lost that youth because we truly don't. Um, so I always, you know, try and be curious about that and tell me, I don't know what that's like for you. I think I know what it is for me, but can you tell me more? So that that's an important way to frame it because yeah, you know, I mean, it's, it's totally different now with social media and different uh, types of pressures on youth. And so we have to, we have to make sure we're listening to that. Fantastic. Now, one thing, um, I've just heard it a lot, uh, and so I'm going to bring it up with you, but I've, I've heard a lot of people just kind of in casual conversation, they, there's, there appears to be a lot of self-diagnosing happening. People who say, oh, I'm an anxious person, or um, I, I'm depressed, or like they, they, you know, and it's like, Okay, <laughs> um, um, but I don't know if you've noticed this as well, but just kind of this, um, there are these terms and these things that happen and, and taking, you know, as you, I think you mentioned earlier, it's like, well, is it really anxiety or is, are you just worried about something like, and how, how do we you know, kind of prevent the over application 
of of conditions and 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 that type of thing but still respect people's experience yeah i think by uh and you know that's always a careful balance and again i'm, I'm going to come back to that educational piece if we if we raise their literacy about what isn't uh depression and what is depression we're going to start to help clarify that and and youth will um you know and youth, I don't mean to just include youth, it, it, all of us will be more respectful in our language about that. Just because you've experienced sadness does not know that you know how to relate to somebody who's gone through a, a clinically depressive episode, right? That That is two very different things. And just because we felt worried before a test does not know, does not mean we, we know what it's like to have an anxiety disorder. Um, and, you know, again, these are things that get bantied about very casually in our conversation. And so just catching youth and saying, did you mean that? <laughs> or do you mean this? And we got to make sure we're using the right terms. Uh, use worry instead of anxiety, because it so often gets uh, confused with anxiety disorder. I hear, you know, oh, I totally had a panic attack the other day. And, you know, if you've had, if you've lived through a panic attack, you know, you're not talking through it very easily. Uh, and it is terrifying. It's a horrifying experience. Um, so making sure that we're using those, uh, the right words, the right descriptors is really um, um critical and we actually have activities for both um, youth uh, that we work with and, and adult learners of actually taking words and pinning them in the right place on a chart uh, and, and having them have a consideration about what do those mean. Um, by um, throwing them out casually, we really do the people a disservice that are truly suffering from those disorders and, and it convolutes and, and um, confuses the conversation. So we need to make sure we're being accurate in our language. Fantastic. Thank you very much. Um, now, uh, kind of one last thing. If, if people are looking for resources, I know on your website on mental on teenmentalhealth.org at this point, um, there are a number of resources. What are you finding that people, you know, like the top things that people are reaching for at this time? The big one that we get reached for is, is um, anxiety. Uh, and, and what the difference between stress and anxiety, uh, anxiety disorder, all of those different terms. That's, that's the number one concern out there. And it has been for, for quite a while. Um, uh, there, there is a, a big, uh, a self-reported, and we have to be careful and check ourselves on self-reports, but a self-reported increase in stress and anxiety. And so, you know, the, the, the question is, why are we seeing that? And, and again, we're back to that cultural conversation. Uh, we don't see, um, uh, huge jumps in diagnosed uh, disorders, but we, we are certainly seeing a, a rise in self-reports. So um, that's those are the resources that we get tapped for the most. Um, and I think uh, it's certainly front of mind for educators. It's front of mind for the youth themselves and for parents. Fabulous. So if you are one of those many people who are looking for um, information on anxiety, definitely please visit teenmentalhealth.org. They've got all kinds of things for you there, as well as a plethora of other things. Your, your website is, is, and that's how I found you, actually. I was uh, cruising the internet. <laughs> there you go. We're out there. Resources. And I found your website and I went, these guys are really good. Like, let me see if I can talk with them. <laughs> so... Thank you. Wonderful. You Thank you for doing what you do. You Thank really you. appreciate it. Um, any last words for our listeners or people who are working with youth? Um, 
youth themselves, maybe maybe a, a teenager was <laughs> inquisitive enough to come and listen. Sure. Um, you know, I, I, I wish I had something really fancy to say, but one of the things we know about maintaining and obtaining good mental health is to take really good care of yourself through physical health. Uh, you know, we know that there's really five big things you can do. You can help others, um, and that that boosts our own sense of well-being. And, and uh, you can have good social connections, which are absolutely critical. So stay connected with people. We have to be creative about how we do that right now, but uh, it looks like on the horizon, we may be able to get back to our uh, more normal self. Um, we wanna eat well, uh, we wanna exercise, and we wanna get a lot of sleep. And I know those aren't uh, you know, anything that people don't know, but to repeat them and really get back to them. And I mean, good restorative sleep and really good hard exercise and really good positive social connections. If we get back to those things, I think we'd see a, a real significant dent taken out of some of the mental health problems we currently see. So uh, back to basics, back to basics. Well, and the teen years are just so important for cultivating those habits that will last them yeah. their entire lives. And it's like, okay, this is this is the foundational practices that will keep you healthy, body, mind, soul. Yeah, so important to instill them right then when they're flexible, adaptive, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, youth are wonderful. And I, I appreciate all the time and energy that you're putting into helping um, parents, educators, uh, everyone who's working with with youth to um, to empower them to be their best selves. It's that's really wonderful. So thank you. Well, very thanks much. so much for having me. This is great to be on, and and uh, really appreciate what you do too. Awesome, thank you so much. Um, so where can people come and find you? I've mentioned the website a couple of times, teenmentalhealth.org, but where else are can people tap into your resources? Yeah, sure. Um, teenmentalhealth.org is a good place to find us. That'll change to mentalhealthliteracy.org and uh, on the horizon there. Um, for teachers, we have a, a mental health curriculum in school, um, and that can be searched up. Another great training for educators is at teachmentalhealth.org, and that's run through our partners at University of British Columbia, and they can learn about classroom delivery there. Um, and uh, we're a part of Alberta Health Services, so you can come and knock on our door that way as well. Fantastic. Well, thank you very much. I really appreciate your time. And um, let's hope and pray that we will continue to work at mental health literacy for the benefit of all. Thanks so much, Donna. Thank you. Thanks for listening, you guys. It's always wonderful to spend some time with you as you drive, as you you know clean your house, as you wash the dishes, as you do whatever you do, and you decide to um, listen in or watch with the uh, the Yoga in My School podcast. It's been a delight having Andrew here tonight because it's tonight for both of us but you might be listening to it at a different time but um until next time namaste <laughs>